Quarantine Cocktail Hour presents When the Levy Broke. Welcome to another episode of When the Levy Broke, the spinoff from Quarantine Cocktail Hour. It's in the Quarantine Cocktail Hour galaxy, part of the Mount High Industries universe. Anyway, in When the Levy Broke, if you're not familiar, it's a place that we carve out to talk to real, interesting, non-celebrity human beings about a time when a musical experience fundamentally changed their worldview in some way. And today's guest kind of surprised me, I'm not going to lie. All the musical experiences this person had, I found the one that we landed on to be kind of interesting both an interesting take and also just just interesting that it occurred so so late in life for someone once again who you'll hear uh was completely informed by musical experience her entire life this of course is the coolest check alive season hamilton Season and I got to know each other working at a magical pizza shop in the north end of Boise back in the day. And you'll hear me kind of tell her how awesome I think she is at the beginning of this, but it really was one of those situations where you meet somebody and right away you know there's something, you know there's something special there. Like they know something you don't know. Like they know a lot you don't know. And that's always interested me. And I think it might be from growing up in a small town in Idaho, kind of cut off from the bigger world. Always kind of thinking there's something out there that I'm missing. There's something out there that, that I should know about. And that kind of constant quest to find that. And I think you'll hear Season kind of shared that same kind of idea, that same longing growing up herself in rural Idaho. And that's probably why she had accumulated so much cool knowledge. And one of the reasons I was immediately taken to to talking with her and chatting with her. Also, she's hilarious, which is just, I mean, you know, it's just fun, just a fun person to chat with and nice, just super nice. Just a nice, funny person with a ton of cool stories. Cool stories from a, from a time before my time, a time I didn't get to experience, but, but I kind of saw, right, from a distance, from a dis- distance of age, possibly. She's, she's just a little bit older than me, but in a way, I was infatuated with, with the experiences that she would talk about, like they were mystical and from from a place where, where I would never be able to go. And it was just awesome 
to have that kind of person in your life to kind of tell you about about how things were, what was good, what was bad, what they would change, what they now cherish, how they navigated it all. It's that kind of wisdom that is imperative to be passed down. And it's that kind of wisdom that I think can only really be passed down through real, authentic conversation. It can't be passed down through through social media. It can't be passed down through 140 characters or however many characters, I don't know, however many characters you're allowed. But these kind of stories, whether they're embellished or hyperbolized or now viewed through rose-colored lenses, it's still those kind of authentic conversations and, and, and questions that you can have that come up during a conversation that really is how human wisdom can be passed along. Something that I fear is going to go missing, or at least will evolve in the coming years. It's one of the reasons I believe everybody should work for a year in a kitchen, hopefully in an independent pizza shop, and at least one season doing trail work. These are the kind of places where you have room to think, where you have room to converse, where you have room to have your mind blown open, ask tough questions, get, get harsh feedback, and have time to ponder the bigger meanings of everything. And do some hard work, you know? Learn the value of some hard work. Get some fresh air, eat some pizza, drink some beer. All things that are going to make you a more well-rounded human being, a more empathetic member of our society. Season herself is an artist, a mother, and a seeker. Someone who's always looking for something of her own. Something, something outside the grasps of mainstream media, pop culture from the fringes, from the dark fringes often. Someone who taught me to love horror genre for how hilarious it is. Someone who taught me how to shop for first edition books in dusty old stores. A person who showed me the value of cultivating and curating things that bring you joy, just you, personal joy. We all need things. We all need space. We all need our own thing, whether it's, whether it's an activity or a genre to read or listen to, it's important to hold on to that piece of yourself. And I think that's something that you're going to hear in this podcast season's journey. And the show where things started to shift for her. Before we hop into it, I do just want to let everyone know this is the final episode of season two. I just need a few weeks. I just need a couple weeks. Couple weeks to relax, ski, work on some other projects around the house. Don't worry, it'll we'll, we'll be back 
for one last run before we all get our vaccines. And then, you know, maybe we'll just be done. But keep your eyes on the website, mountainhighindustries.com. That's MTN, High Industries. Dot com. There might be some media, merch, things of the sort coming out on there. And in the meantime, you can check out the QCH Season 2 playlist on Spotify. Just the jams from the last 15 episodes to keep your groove going Friday evenings. Until then, no. Here's the season two finale with season and me, too, talking about life, music, and pizza. Season. Yeah. How's it going? Good. How are you? Can you hear me okay? Yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. I use my wired headphones. I couldn't, my computer's so old it wouldn't find my AirPods. <laughs> yeah. It's good though. I use the work computer. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> Perfect. Um, part of my creepy lighting. I'm in the uh, under the stairs studio, <laughs> and the one light in here is very harsh. So I go with the candle most of the time. <laughs> I know. Well, this light's gonna have to go because well, this is actually my. Um, I made a chandelier, dude, out of zip ties. I'll show it to you. It's pretty cool, though. It's like all black zip ties. <laughs> it's really cool. It looks like leather, kind of, but it's really bright on my face, too. So I'll fix that really quick, too. Other than that, we're all good, I think. So. I'm just going to click it off real quick. Hold on one sec. OK, that's better. <laughs> Yeah. Good, to see you. yeah. good to see you, dude. I haven't seen you. In, like, I feel like I haven't actually seen your face in ages. I know. Look how old I've gotten, too. Good. No, you're looking good. <laughs> it's good to see you, dude. Have a nice day. All you see is like this creepy. I look like I look like a White Walker in this lighting right now. <laughs> I've never seen myself like this. It's cool. <laughs> it's good, dude. It's like campfire. Yeah. Yeah. Campfire stories. That's good. <laughs> That's <a> vibe. <clears throat> So, uh, yeah, so that video today, Elliot's favorite songs are, what do we have there? Unchained Melody and Hallelujah. <laughs> yes, of course, Hallelujah. It's, um, let me, let me think, but there's about one million people that cover that, right? But it's the, uh, whatever version is in Shrek, so I want to say, <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> did you get through the have, have you had to do the have you had to do the kid music did you ever do like like the raffy like the bullshit kid music yeah so we just well we just heard the baby beluga song for the first time and he has that book yeah but there's this other this like kid like kid crack I hate saying that it's a uh, yeah. No, that's on the Coco Melons songs that are on. They have them like on YouTube, and it's like the Johnny Johnny songs. And oh god, they're just 
they're terrible and they're stuck in your head so much. Mine's like kind of like that baby shark song, you know? Yeah. But uh, I keep that super limited. <laughs> so that's like, I had this whole thing before I had kids where like, I would see like relatives and friends basically like, you know, they'd be like held hostage by like kid music. It's like, you get in the car and it's like, put the damn Raffi CD on before the kid explodes. Like quick, quick. And I was always like, and I did this with so much stuff about parenting. I'm just like, I'm just not going to do that. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm just not going to, you know, like, they're, like, they're, they're kids. They don't know. They don't, you know, like, they don't know the difference. Like, I'm like, well, just listen to Primus. It's the same thing, right? It's just, it's the same. And then my dad played bingo, like, B-I-N-G-O, for, for Rilo, and like the floodgates were open <laughs> and now it's like he's heard like th then like we had to start like playing that like in the car to like to like calm him and then it would like play like the spotify playlist and now he knows all the songs on the spotify playlist and it's just this it's just been this fucking avalanche that now is just uncontrollable and i'm like i'm here now i'm here i did um I did do an Elliot playlist on YouTube when he was a baby and I put some Muppets on it, but the Muppets were kind of cover cool songs, dude. They did like Kodachrome cool. and they did like uh, Bohemian Rhapsody and a few other buttons. And then I put some other, um, I, I think it was Elton John came out with some new like animated videos. Somebody did, he kind of redid them. So I put some of those on, Elton John was okay enough and then i think even there might have been a cold play one on there don't tell anyone oh. and uh when they dressed up in elephant costumes and uh he would watch that playlist a lot and then i did like uh I, there was some pharrell on there i think from this big old me but uh i i keep it pretty <laughs> pretty closed up dude he doesn't get much much of a choice but nowadays I will rock him to at least like three songs a night and he's learned how to pick them out on my phone and he sees all the recently played ones and he will pick out his favorites that he likes and it's pretty fun to play new stuff for him and I'll, I'll just like kind of go back into even like cheesy 80s you know and like I pulled up some old Madonna songs you know and like and if they have a hook dude I mean he loves it and so we I even played like total eclipse of the heart for him and it, it was like the thunder was rolling and he could see he was like whoa <laughs> <laughs> so into it dude and meatloaf was sings on that song you know and yeah like, like it always still he likes it because then we go play another song and he's like again <laughs> it's yeah, like, yeah 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 they're like the ultimate you know play over and over again and i i'm bad like i do that by myself i try to keep it as secret as i can because i don't think songs over and over again that I like sometimes yeah. but oh god kid he's I think we've listened to the same songs that he likes some of them like 35 days nights in a row yeah yeah we had a good <laughs> we had a good moment the other day like we're, we're driving in the car he was in the back he's in a seat and I can like see him in his little mirror and um it's just like I had I had like 
you know, probably like a playlist or like it was like playing off of something. And he was just being, you know, he like wasn't paying attention to the music. He was just doing his own thing. And uh, Raging Against the Machine, Bulls on Parade came on and he just stopped and just started like <laughs> head banging in his seat, just like, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> and they're like, I was like, dude, I cannot wait to share so much stuff with you. Like, I cannot wait till we get to actually like pick apart some like Primus or like some Rage and just be like, oh yeah, oh yeah, hey, oh you want to hear? Oh, you think that song's cool? Let's listen to this one. Like, dig up some stuff. Like, driving in the car. That's like the shit that I get excited for being a parent. It's just like, like man, I cannot wait to show you some Monty Python once your brain can handle. <laughs> like, that is but, your reward, dude. Yeah. I mean, I feel like out of everything you know he kind of gets to look on that phone but if it's like something that like i'm not i'm just like no next time <laughs> and, uh, still in control you know but i'm not gonna get mowed over by these like nursery rhymes but i mean it, it's cool to see what they like i mean like when he said that song flames i don't know if you've heard of this uh the band i guess it's more of a guy his name's vast it's v-a-s-t uh-huh. and he's like um He's kind of, it's a, he was around in the 90s and he had a few singles, I think, that were, might have been on like some shows, but he did everything himself. He's kind of like a Trent Reznor, um, all the, you know, lyrics, all the guitar, all the, everything in it. Yeah. He has this song called Flames and it's just like really, really beautiful, awesome song, dude. Like super good cello in it and just one of the prettiest songs I probably, I don't even use that word pretty, but probably one of the prettiest songs I've ever heard. <laughs> and he heard that song one time and it's every night it's flames, dude. We have to hear it. Yeah. So we listen to this guy Vast like every, every night. And so then I saw it like on Instagram. That's Vast kind of, well, he kind of got a little creepier and older, but I think he's still like, kind of going to push out some music here soon. He's saying he's going to do some like drive through tours and stuff and maybe some real tours and uh it's like oh man i'm gonna have to take elliot to go see vast (laughs) (laughs) those things like you gotta like weigh those things when when you love music you know like every every rock star probably has done something you're not that stoked on except for maybe like eddie vetter like he's he's probably pretty pretty like stand-up guy but like everyone else like you know like i might just have to let a couple things slide here and there so that we can go see this awesome show (laughs) we we all have our faults we're all human but um yeah he has a cool he has a cool um mentor and leader down that road in you (laughs) season and um it's one of the places I wanted to start this. It's going to be awkward for you because you didn't sign up for this. But, <laughs> no, um, I, in, in reflecting on life, which I obviously do too much as an introverted navel gazer, but um, there's there's certain people throughout my life that I like have I, I've like put in this position of like a mentor in some way and um you're one of those people 
like the mentor of, of the mentors of my life whether or not you knew you were signing up for that ever you just got that role and and uh and i stumbled into it because it's really um about where we met at lucky 13 pizza and bar shop um not like a long time ago now like t- probably 2004 maybe 2003 um yeah, yeah. but you're when, when i think about you like you are one of the people who taught me how to be cool that's <laughs> not and that's not to say that i am cool but at least i was like that's that's cool like this person is cool and there's some like there's other people there like at that exact same place but throughout my life there have been a number of people like this but not many of them have like that that place the the how to be cool and a lot of it was just like the context in which like we got to know each other at lucky 13 as well right like i mean you're already talking about how you put together like a youtube playlist for your son and like i feel like when we met each other and at lucky 13 um we were kind of talking about this on the phone the other day like this was a time, like when we first met, like we were burning mixed CDs off of iTunes and bringing them into this restaurant and playing them on the speaker system. Like, which was like, it was a pretty good, like it was a pretty decent sound system. Yeah, it wasn't bad. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. like <laughs> I worked at another pizza restaurant before that, we won't name, but in the kitchen we just had like the Walmart like boombox, like the one piece, like little handle, like plastic, maybe 10 inches wide thing. And I just had to, I had to listen to whatever the other, the other like dudes in there were listening to, which was like one dude, it was strictly dead Kennedys, which is cool. <laughs> and the other dude, it was like strictly like Method Man and Red Man, which was also cool. <laughs> but that's like, you know, that's like, I had to just sit there and listen to them play that and then like talk shit to me about how cool those bands were and how much of an idiot I was for liking anything else. And at Lucky 13, like, there was this, I don't know, it was, it was just like the air of the place. It was like, it was very like socialistic in a way that like, well, kind of socialistic. You also had to earn your stripes, but like you played, you, you bring these mixed CDs and like everyone kind of like, you know, like we'd rotate, like who got to play their CDs, like people would bring in like different mixes. Uh, some of them didn't make it past round one, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> some people were never allowed to bring in a CD again, but there, there was like, you know, we had like, there was like a crew of people who would be like contributing to the musical rotation and and it was awesome because we'd be making those those mix cds which there's something i'll loop around to in a minute it's awesome about like that format but it's also just like being exposed to so much rad new music and you could like take time and like during like little slow times to kind of go back and be like oh what's this this is cool. And like, this comes back to like you being cool. Like you were like the first person I knew who listened to like cool new rock, like 
Black Rebel Motorcycle Club and like Queens of the Stone Age and, and stuff like that. Like, I mean, like, Queens of the Stone Age have been around, but like more of that kind of like, um, yeah, just kind of like the dark, like cool rock. And that was like something I didn't come up with because like I listened to a lot of punk rock and hip hop and, you know, like kind of like the 90s vibe, like bigger alternative bands, but like that, like the cool, like dark rock, like that kind of like, I don't know, like groovy dark rock. That was mm-hmm. not part of my diet. And like you brought that in and you also like you're the first person I knew who was like really into like kind of like horror genre like Stephen King and like but like but like you weren't like you're not like you're not a you know it's not like weird it was like you know it was all like you got like the humor and all of it and like you like that was part of like you loved about it and that's part of like the coolness as well about like the whole thing is that like those two sides of it right like but it's like these like things that like are kind of intimidating and, and like kind of scary but also like you saw like the humor and all these things and like that's what like made them so endearing um all that praise aside and how much of, and how much of effect you've had on my life um the whole like the the cd thing at lucky 13 like i feel like you could make a documentary just on that like because that format you get like 40 minutes to prove you get like 40 minutes to prove to the rest of these like kind of eclectic music snobs that like you get to control some music in that place and that was like kind of cool right yeah i mean it's almost like getting the jukebox in a bar dude and like watching how people react to your songs you know and and I, I just remember like being at, you know, uh, I think this imposing bar, just watching this guy just rock out to like every song I put on. And I was like, yeah, he likes it, I guess. <laughs> you know, but, <laughs> but then, you know, you get then you got to pick your crowd though, too, because then I put some stuff on during the daytime, you know, where it's people I'm not quite as tight with and heard them, you know, where's this we're listening to, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it, that that was definitely an experience in itself, and it was scary too at the time because I, I even okay, so you weren't even getting just judged by the people you worked with, but I remember playing, and there wasn't a mix CD, but I was playing a, a CD of a band called Witchcraft. Have you heard of them before? Yeah, I think so. Witchcraft. They're kind of like um, uh, Wolf Mother kind of like band. Um not super good musically more kitschy kind of but i was playing them and who walks in but bill spill come in and sit inside lucky 13 and eat some food dude drink beer and i think they were actually writing their album perfect from now on i think or one of their albums anyways and i could hear them talking about witchcraft playing up there and talking about how like that needed more bass here and stuff, you know, and like just kind of rip it on it. Not saying anything really bad, but not saying anything very nice either. You're like, but is it? And I just go, cool? oh, <laughs> fail. 
And then I told, you know, the girl I was working with, she's like, well, at least you weren't listening to Built Spill because last time they came in, we were listening to them. So so. I actually remember very distinctly <laughs> one day at Lucky 13 in Hyde Park, you came into the kitchen and you're like, kind of like gave me a nod to come out and Doug Marsh was sitting out there. And I had, it was one of my mix CDs that was on there. And I'm pretty sure it was a Built Spill song. <laughs> on the mix and I was just like I was shit in my pants I was like yeah. oh my god dude this is gonna be so like this is gonna be so embarrassing if I can't remember if it already played or like what part of the CD this is in like did it already come up <laughs> it's uh it was cool though when they came in I remember it uh, it was a fall and they were writing music and that's what I thought was so cool they were writing and talking about lyrics out on one of those tables and I thought that that was pretty cool to see that happening you know yeah. where we worked like be part of like they're like they're coming to your joint to get their creative mm-hmm. process yeah you know and there's not a lot you know out of Boise still to talk about you know musically wise and I um I do remember that story too. That was right before I started working there where Doug Marsh, he was friends with, you know, some like Pete Wade and some of the people that we worked with. And he brought um, Elliot Smith back into the kitchen and <laughs> introduced him to, Amanda Bello told me this story, uh, our friend Amanda and uh, Elliot, you know, she looked up and there was Doug Marsh and he's like, hey, this is everyone. And, Doug Marsh and she said she was like frozen like you're joking right he's <laughs> like making pizza yeah <laughs> go hey I'm a big fan <laughs> hey it's like a Chris Farley interview all of a sudden I know right you know that time you made a really sad song it was beautiful it was awesome <laughs> Uh, that, that's like that's something like I don't think when I try to like tell people about working at Lucky 13 especially in Hyde Park and like just what like inexperience it was like I don't know if it really like, it doesn't translate for people I mean like I kind of like have this theory that everyone should have to work in a pizza restaurant for a year like an independent pizza restaurant for a year and also they should do trail work for a year. So like, yeah, it's like being outdoors, doing hard like labor, getting to like, just like have an appreciation for like nature and working hard, but also just like spend that time in a rest, in a cool like independent pizza restaurant, just like talking. And that's like mm-hmm. something that happens so much there. And like, you know, it'd spill over, we'd shut down and then everyone would just, spill out onto the patio in Hyde Park and like it'd be closed so just be like we just be having a private party for the staff on the patio basically <laughs> like, yeah, like every really Friday crazy. and Saturday night and then it would just be like you know at that time I, I mean I grew up in a small town in Idaho um, and for a small town like it actually like we actually had pretty good access to music I think just by you know circumstance of it being a ski town and a lot of people who were there were probably had come there from California or Colorado or something like that. And we watched snowboard videos that had cool music or whatever. But even so, my bubble was really small. 
right? And I was at college and, you know, I was living in a fraternity at college and like, you know, I had black friends, brown friends, gay friends, hung out with people across the spectrum, but like the the minds and like the the conversation were just different. Cause we had that, like you'd be sitting there on the patio you'd have this diversity of human beings of, of skin color and background and sexual orientation. And, you know, we'd be drinking late into the night and all the conversations, like, I feel like everyone just had like something cool that they brought to that place, right? Like whether it's like literature or like comic book knowledge or like a specific genre of music or something and like you know and then then things like you know doug marsh and, and built to spill and elliot smith like kind of just rolling into this weird little neighborhood bar um like it, it made it like it's a very surreal experience for me and it kind of blew my mind and opened in a lot of ways and that's um i talk about it often as like a very formative experience but that is also where like my my musical like knowledge just exploded and, and like all the way through looking at working like 13 even when it moved and it was more like maybe younger people kind of bringing in like interesting hip-hop or indie music they was still just like you know it was ongoing it changed it just became people's ipods plugged in so then all of a sudden you'd have like you had to go from like a 30-minute cd to like the 90 minute playlist someone had made, you know, and like you can throw a lot more garbage on a 90 minute playlist, <laughs> yeah. right? <laughs> so like that kind of diluted the pool a little bit. But yeah. Um, yeah, like that, that experience, like just like the CD trading and like it went around, like there's something special went into that. I mean, like how long did it, would it take? Like what was your process around like putting together a new like lucky 13 cd mix that was a good couple hours here i mean it was there i was very well well thought out on my cds um you know really didn't want two bands to play side by two of the same bands to play side by side you know like wanted something slower here and faster down a year, like probably nerdier than most people would be, <laughs> you know, but, yeah. um, and then, you know, the all time favorite part for me was just naming it because I've been getting into like all kinds of like cool names on my computer ones now, like shut the floor on my souls and, uh, <laughs> Blanky out thinking of some of them, but uh, um, yeah, just that is always my favorite part, just naming right. it at the end and trying to incorporate that into a part in your, of your life, basically. Like, I did find this blank CD uh, when I was cleaning out the CDs from when I lived in my sister's basement, and I think I was trying to be a bit like Elliot Smith because it was like songs from the depths of a basement on Kootenai or something. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, I bet there's some goodies on there. <laughs> <laughs> some sad stuff on there. Yeah. No, but yeah, I mean, it was like, 
it, it was a thing, right? You had to like sit down and take a few hours. Or, like, I want to bring it up right here. Maybe like oh, start yeah. it off. Like we want to start it off hot. Maybe like you oh, know, I want people like latching on from the get go. But then you know, I want to like we want to just like you want to cruise for a little bit. Maybe get in a <laughs> groove, slow it down, just get in a groove, feel good. Then like you know, we want to be popping again at some point. You gotta be like, yeah. And I think like that whole like naming naming things. I don't know. Maybe I got that from you because I still have like my MacBook from those days, and yeah, the playlists on there. They're all like actually like, lyrics from or, like a song that's probably on there. There's one that's like um, "Junkie Cosmonaut." <laughs> Yeah. from cracker low yeah <laughs> yeah that's good dude god cracker's good man yeah a little junkie cosmonaut um open to falling from grace which i think is a, a portis head lyric somewhere. yes it is yeah <clears throat> it is yeah so how how did you get there season how how did you end up at like a cultural awesome spot as like a a person who some you know schmuck like myself could walk in and be like wow like this person knows a ton of music you've seen a ton of shows like what where what were you how'd you grow up what was like the what was in the house well um you know my growing in my up in my house it wasn't really that different my parents were into like some classic rock and they had some albums and stuff and my my sister was you know four years older than me high school so when i went into high school as a freshman my sister was just graduating so um i saw her you know through her high school years and she was really into um Morrissey and Depeche Mode and The Cure. She was really into this, like all that kind of music. Okay. And I remember her flying to Salt Lake or San Francisco to see Morrissey with like a jacket patch that had Morrissey on it. It was like just crazy. Cool. But you know, I thought it was cool at that time too. And she's, you know, she, I mean, she just went through this whole black stage where she stayed in her room for like a couple months and never came out. And I think she was smoking clothes in there. <laughs> I don't know. And I mean, she's kind of nice to me, but not really, you know, like there were a few times I tried to go in the room. High school sibling. Yeah. Like I remember once I like opened up the door and she was smoking a clothes sitting there. It's like, get the fuck out, season. We later on, we, came together a little bit more became better friends but, yeah, it seems um, to be the trajectory for a lot of siblings yeah but as for myself i i think it was i i was always into music but i think it was about fifth grade i met a very good friend that transferred to my grade school um, named heather and she had a denim jacket on and it had all sorts of pins on it and it had Motley Crue pins. It had Bon Jovi, all these long haired, just butt rock guys. And I thought, hmm, why does that scare me? But <laughs> 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 and so 
She's that kind of maybe goes back to your thing with the horror genre. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> kind of like... And then she she looked at me and she told me her very first impression of me was I was sitting on the playground and I had an army jacket on that was my dad's and it said Hamilton on it and I was singing a Madonna song through my own jukebox, like her own stereo, and I had chocolate all over my mouth and I was rocking out and she said, "Well, I'm gonna be friends with her." <laughs> <laughs> That's, and so that's how we started our that's, friendship. That's the other misfit out here. Yeah. Like that. Mm-hmm. So where, I mean, where was that? Where where was fifth grade? That, the, that was in Caldwell, Idaho. So she transferred over to uh, a different grade school. So Caldwell, uh, Idaho at that time was like, I mean, it's, it's pretty rural in a lot of ways. I mean, like there's a decent population, but really I oh, mean, it's like it's not it's not suburbs at that time it's no no it's like I we're mean, all kind of like mormon rancher country right right yeah and and caldwell and valley view where we went to school it was the most rural i mean the it was just it was farming kids it was and the way the the whole um school zone went it just like went all the way back into marsing into the snake river and it like yeah. twisted around it it really was for mostly farming kids and ended up being quite a few Mormons, um, quite a few Hispanics. And then this like, just kind of jumble of people that was us that kind of found each other through music and drinking, I think, basically. So. <laughs> yeah, the humans. <laughs> and then we also took it upon ourselves to, which I think this is one of my favorite parts of high school, to take in the foreign exchange students that came to Caldwell because with a very you know sad feeling for this foreign exchange student who ended up all the way from Germany in Caldwell, Idaho at Valley View High School in the middle of a field Um, so we would go find them and we would say hey do you like to drink beer and they'd say yeah 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 and then we'd have new friends from Belgium, new friends from Germany, new friends from Poland. <laughs> so that was good. Just all add, add a little bit of diversity in there. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> but at least like it gives you like a bit more of like a worldly view. And like Germans are always good for like that kind of like dark sardonic viewpoint <laughs> as well. I feel like um, we had, we also had a few German foreign exchange students. Um, and yeah, I feel like that they, they definitely would kind of, um, gravitate towards like that exact, like more of like the kind of like, I don't know, alternative the mm-hmm. crowd maybe for like lack of a different word. They um, just like want to drink, do they? I mean, they've been doing it for Right. Time, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's like since they're like twelve, their parents were letting them have like half yeah. a beer with dinner at least. You know? uh, I remember though, and, and music-wise though too. There, I mean, Bruno, one of the best friends I made, that was an exchange student. He, I remember, he had lost his Portis Head CD when we went to McCall, and he was crying because he was so upset about it. I mean, he was. <laughs> it was just, it was a good time, man. It was a great time to be alive and. I, 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 I could never to go back in, to high school times, and 
really think of anything that bad for me. I was very fortunate. You know, I, I surrounded myself with some very, very fortunate, uh, some friends that really uh, were good friends and really were into the same things as, uh, as me. And we really loved music. We loved music and we loved drinking beer and smoking cigarettes at the time and talking about music. That was like yeah. the best weekends ever, you know? Yeah, how'd that evolve from like the time you meet Heather and you're like chocolate-faced singing Madonna into like, what was what was high school? Like what, what were you guys like sitting around smoking? I mean, also well, season, like you have to understand how cool you sound right now. Like, well, I, I you understand why I, I thought you were so cool. <laughs> You're hanging around drinking beer, smoking cigarettes, talking about music with Germans in high school. This is like, well, <laughs> come on. That's drenched and cool. What we, the first, the first whole big thing, the big, big push of it was the hair metal music. And that's what, that's what we all got into. And it was Motley Crue, Poison, Warrant, Slaughter, Cinderella, Skid Row, and these are all basically, most of them are boy bands. I mean, when you look back at them now, they're boy bands that were- sure. Yeah, they're hot dudes. Basically like coming out at, as like metal, somewhat metal, but it, it wasn't. Yeah, they're very, they're, they're pretty. They're, they're very like made up. There's a lot of like choreography. Yeah. Sure, for sure. That music, makes total music sense. Music wasn't terrible, but the music wasn't great. I, I, I could definitely distinguish between, because then, then, you know, they were clumped together with like um, Guns N' Roses, who, which I immediately knew were fucking awesome, dude. Like, Guns N', these guys are, Poison's not like Guns N' Roses, you know? It's sure. Like, it's yeah, different level. This is not happening. Yeah. These guys are the same kind of musicians. Um, but the, you know, and then Molly Crew then was quite you know quite a bit better than a lot of those other bands. So you, I can kind of pick it out even at that age. You know, like who's putting out better albums and who's you can pick it out even like who's putting out better sounding, producing better sounding albums. Um, but there's also you know the posters that come with it, like I told you about. We'd all get those magazines and put it in our whole thing. We would take the posters and try to not leave one inch of white on our wall and just put them up. <laughs> the guys wallpaper the and it would be so probably creepy to our parents but um you know you just look at it and sebastian bach and all these like long-haired guys that are and also the kind of like they they are <clears throat> they represent like like a magical far-off ideal in some idea in some ways right like this like hollywood Hollywood Sunset Strip rock and roll all night type of like lifestyle that we like you can see on MTV and when you're in Caldwell, Idaho it's like you can sit in your room all night and stare at those posters and just kind of and just oh, yeah. be transported and just, yeah just daydream you know it, and it was just yeah it was just escape you know escaping I mean we would get in, in Boise here, I'm going to say Caldwell Boise, we would get back in, you know, when I was about that age, at least one or two big concerts a year would come to the pavilion, which is now like the stadium that the football team plays in. But it, uh, it's the Taco Bell, Dorito, Taco Nacho. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, I, I remember 
the first one, well, the very first concert I ever went to was Barry Manlow with my parents. Oh, and I fell asleep gorgeous. during it. And my dad carried me out of it asleep. And so that's fitting. So I'll, I'll, I'll say my first concert from by choice was Nelson. And I know you probably know who they are, the two mm -hmm. blonde twins. They're Ricky Nelson's kids. And I definitely learned what nosebleed seats are at that show. We were like the <laughs> highest up you could be. Um, and I swore, I swore that one looked at me. I swore he did. <laughs> From all the way down there, he spotted you. Yeah, yeah. you know, I, I just, I just knew it. I knew he did. And um, that was, you know, that was so cool. I, I mean, so cool. But it wasn't even that that made me, um, you know, want to start liking live music. It just it just progressed into better shows, I think. And when did you start like getting, when did your like live music? Cause like, that's another thing I think about when I think about you is like live music is uh, just a part of what you do. Like it's a part mm -hmm. of like, I mean, it's, it's occupation, you know, in some ways, you know, like in, in many ways, when did that, like, how did that, how that kind of evolve? out of that and like where where did it go what was like the trajectory on, on the live music front yeah and it started around that time because we wanted to see these shows and they weren't coming to Boise you know like it was like um well we went I think that was still I was in eighth grade and we went and saw uh, Metallica so I mean I, I not to to brag to you but I mean when I look back into okay I was 13 12 and 13 in 19, like 91 and 92. And this is when, I mean, you could say some of the most iconic albums were coming out ever, dude. Like, User Illusion 1 and 2 came out, 1991, um, Metallica, self-titled. I mean, you could just like go down the list. Like I was I was looking at it today and it was just like, you, you gotta be joking, you know, like um, Blood Sugar Sex Magic. Yeah. Um, um, the Seas of Cheese, Gish came out, Smells Like, and then it Smells Like Teen Spirit became uh, that was like number one on the charts. 91, 92. Yeah, and then things just like, everything changed. So we, you know, we basically watched the hair metal bands get pushed out um, pretty quickly with all the, the grunt, grunt people call grunge music, but I was fine with that, man. I loved all that grunge music so much, and but I did also like that metal music, some of it that was around still, like Metallica, like we, going to that Metallica show, that was four hour long show when we were in eighth grade. <laughs> and we headbanged, dude, for four hours. And if I headbanged one time right now, I would be dead. So I don't know how that was even like I was, a question. <laughs> yeah, like a, a, a few months ago, um, they, like like a hardcore song that like I used to listen that like a sh like shows I used to go to and like my 17 year old days came on and I tried to show Emily what like hardcore dancing looked like you know like the, like the <laughs> <Yeah>. bolt, like <laughs> just like swinging like maybe 10 seconds of that and I had like thrown out my shoulder like my heart felt like it was going to explode. <laughs> my lungs were burning. And I was like, I used to do this for like two hours. 
Just like, no problem. I used to do this two hours straight with like other people slamming into me, like headbutting <laughs> me, like kneeing me in the kidney. Going around that circle, dude. That yeah, just like, circle, I can't dude. like how, yeah, or yeah, even just punk rock concerts, just like running around yeah. in circles, like pushing each other and falling down a hundred times and getting back up. And then like the next day, kind of like, like having like a good sore, which like yeah. now I get a good sore if like, you know, I did some like push-ups. Yeah. Like that's a good sore. Sore for you, like scrub the fridge or something. <laughs> the next day you're just like, oh, damn, I've really I know. I really got that grime out. But we would have those shows here yeah. in Boise, like, and it'd be about one year. So like I remember going going if I could to those. And then, and then it got eventually, you know, into like our senior years of high school, where we started driving to Salt Lake to go see the shows. I remember yeah. driving to go see Pearl Jam in Salt Lake when we were seniors in high school. Um, and I, I guess that that was like, yeah, we just went, there was just a whole world out there. We knew we were always angry. I think at the point that <laughs> at the fact that there just wasn't. There weren't many options here, you know. Yeah. Not many bands made a stop here, even though we did have that pavilion, you know. I mean, even Nirvana played at that pavilion. And I went and saw Alice in Chains there. And I went, I've seen quite a few shows there that were good shows to go see around that time. But I don't know. I. The other big difference between now with my concert going and with what it was was the fact that I don't get that just blasted wasted anymore you know <laughs> and that's what's changed dude like that, that is be. actually one of the most pivotal music moments I was going to tell you I just the the, minute oh yeah, that oh, I, that's, per that's perfect let's talk about it well I mean the minute I, I realized you know that I was missing these I've seen so many concerts so many shows and I was just the minute I started to enjoy a concert musically without being just, I mean, the, you know, drinking enhances it. I'm not saying sober, but when you watch a show and it's like, it's got you and, and you're sober, pretty sober, you've had a few beers, maybe a little stoned, and it's so good, you know that that is like your band, you know, or that's that's someone you're going to be rolling, rolling on your uh, speakers for a while. So... I, uh, and that's what happened at Queens at Stone Age for me because I I'd gone to even one of their shows and barely remembered it and then went again in like 2007 or so and I am up in one of my all-time favorite shows I ever saw just at the Mini Factory. It was just that. The Mini Factory. Great. Yeah. And it that's was like, I mean, all that music, all those shows, all those different, like exposed to things, but that like it was one of those times you're just like the the veil of the like the barbiturates was kind of lifted <laughs> yeah. for you to like kind of take in queens and in their glory yeah you know you maybe it's just everything's aligned and like you know just maybe just had enough to drink and just had enough weed you know to smoke and where it just sounded, you know, where those just, you could just hear that music so well and you could feel those hooks, you know, like coming back in your ears and, and, uh, 
and the, oh, it just, I remember having to go to the bathroom and like, I would not go to the bathroom because I did not want to leave and miss anything. And that is like kind of rare for me. And I didn't want to drink more because I didn't want to have to go to the bathroom. And that's when I was like, this just show is fucking awesome. And I was stoked because I was also got to go stand kind of by the soundboard where Glenn, because Glenn was still working at the knitting factory at the time. So I did have a really cool place to be during that show, um, which helped a lot, but. So what precipitated yeah. that? Why did you like, why, why did you go into that show like without like consuming as much like was there was there any like specific reason or it just happened it just kind of started slowing down i think i think i think i started slowing down and so it was just um just like two it's just serendipity that like the two things crossed paths like yeah exactly your life you're like your life trajectory and like having that concert at that time I was starting to get tired of going to shows though and just and really having fun and just having a party. But when I was really starting to get, you know, into bands later, I wanted to see their sets and I wanted to remember what they played, you know, and and that was part of it. And so and to watch them and it's I mean, and this was like I'd seen a whole different kind of a different lineup of Queens of the Stone Age before what I saw them. So this is like an, their lineup they had and and to watch, you know, every part of it come together. And they had, you know, like Troy Van Leeuwen, who's, you know, played with failure and played with, um, uh, God, who else did he play with? Uh, a Perfect Circle, you know, oh, playing yeah. guitar. And then I you have- that for sure. Their, keyboardist like Dean Fertitta he's played with the dead weather and with Jack White you know he's on keyboards and you have then Joey Castillo who did drums for Danzig dude and then just the my favorite drummer in the world Joey Castillo and then and he just looks like a Mexican Hulk dude he's just awesome yeah. and then you have um well Mike Mike Schumann was the youngest one that they brought on I think who was doing uh the bass and he's I mean he just kills it and then um, you have Josh Homme, who's like 6'2", and just, just fucking rad, man. Just like your rad fucking rock star. He's a good rock and star. He's definitely, he is a good rock star. Yeah. Yeah. And he does some rock star things. And he's he could be a dick, and he's been a dick, and but... Dude, that's yeah, we don't even start out the whole conversation like that. Like, sometimes, yeah, yeah. like, your heroes, he's got to be like, where do I put this? Well, I was thinking about that. I on my scale of like, you know, where do I put this on my scale of going forward with this person? Like, can I can I compartmentalize? Like, yeah, a little bit of know, this rhetoric. Yeah, he's his stuff. He's he's kind of known for. I mean, if you if you dig a little deep, you can find some. He's kind of known to go off on some rants on people in the crowd, mm-hmm. and he you know not use some very you know attractive language and. I think his most recent biggest thing was he kicked, uh, he kicked, kicked a camera. Well, that's fine. That's that, rock and roll. Kick cameras. He kicked, he kicked a camera that was a girl was holding though, and it hit her face and knocked her down. And it was not really it was right when that like kind of Me Too movement started. So it kind of not saying that it wouldn't be good anytime. I was just saying it just really was worst time for that too. And and. Uh, that was blown up on the internet a bit that he kicked a girl in the face. Um, 
and you know he's a big guy man he's like yeah. six three six four he yeah he's tall and i'm sure he i mean i'm sure he's got some he just, lbs too since he stopped doing cocaine yeah 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 he's he's, he's, <laughs> he's he you know i'm sure she saw that foot coming at her and was like my life is over but <laughs> but <laughs> like i'm also probably, sure probably that, wearing like a like a rad like boot too like a red wing yeah like probably a wingtip yeah, like, yeah, yeah just a yeah, big like, rad steel toe yeah. and he didn't see her I mean, all he saw was a flash in his face he's fucked up and was like get the camera out of my yeah, face i guess no. you know but no but like all that aside i mean like you know like rock and roll antics aside like how did so has that that's like changed that's changed the way you've gone forward with like your musical experience do you think yeah i mean i definitely i don't know there's something about that show that i saw i just really well it made me a huge huge fan of theirs so i put them like way high on my list and Glenn and Glenn felt the same way, and we started flying and going and seeing him and shows in LA and stuff. So yeah, yeah. And then and it just started... like changed how you even approached like going to a show. It changed like how you approached mm-hmm. your your musical experience that you'd been having since sounds like eighth grade. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah, um, for sure. But yeah, just the the drunken party time was kind of and that's that's always fun once in a while but you just get tired of it and i'd gone to probably like 10 warp tours as well <laughs> you know where you also just sit underneath like the cosmic death star all day the sun just you, you, unrelentless i mean there's no retreat there is a one warp tour that i I don't black out drinking. I, I, I mean, I, I probably have blacked out once or twice in my life. There is a warp tour that's completely blacked out almost to me. And I crowd surfed for the first time at that one to um, Bad Religion. And I, I was in the way far back and the guy's like, you want to do it? You want to do it? And he just pushed me up and I, I went and like everything was gone. My flip flops were gone. My bandana off my head, everything gone got to the front had no shoes had nothing that's flip flops stood up was like it was bold move like got molested didn't matter dude it was like yes I crowd surfed finally you know but it's like but then, yeah, I don't know I just that's a good wish feeling I could remember it. yeah it's a definitely good feeling but then also I'd like I found a boyfriend like in a second and brought him over to my friends <laughs> <laughs> This guy Losing some teeth. When yeah. everyone else was grabbing me, this guy. <laughs> and then I go. I, go, I remember we traded shoes, and I had these like big skater shoes on. And oh my gosh, my friends were looking at me. They're like, "Oh my god, who is this?" I go, "This is my boyfriend." And then I looked at him. I go, "What's your name again?" <laughs> so that was one of my not brighter moments at that time. But uh, yeah, but I think that like going crowd surfing for your first time is there is something like i mean it is it's like ego shattering in a way and ego boosting but (laughs) ego ego shattering in the way that like maybe almost like 
you know, like the first time you take psychedelics or something where it's just like, you realize that like, you don't have control. Yeah. Like, you just gotta be like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ride this. I gotta ride this out. I gotta trust this process. Like, I'm on a different plan. It's like, it's terrifying and completely ecstatic. Right? Like, at the same like, dude, if I get dropped, I could get dropped on my neck. Like, I, I, I see a swirling, I see a swirling mass of sweaty dudes up there. Like, I get dropped into that. I could just get stomped by some Doc Martens. Yeah. You know, but you just gotta like, you stiffen up. I mean, it's probably worse for a female, I'm guessing, because there's a bunch of pervy dudes. Yeah, I'm like, sure you grabbing around, but you, like, but <clears throat> it's like ego shattering in a way that, like, you know, you like you realize at some point, like, you have to give, like, the only way to do it is to like give yourself to it, mm-hmm. and just like trust that you will come down and meet your skater boy with a pair of shoes <laughs> for you. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> If I can just land next to something <laughs> with some big puffy DCs <laughs> to keep my feet oh my gosh, warm so after this, that's an exciting moment, dude. Like the first, the first crowd surf is exciting. I feel like. Yeah, it was. I mean, that was late in life for me, and oh man, yeah, it was just hot, hot drinking out in the heat. You know, we've done that so many times too at the gorge. You know, going to those shows, we go to those fish shows and see them. Um, two nights in a row yeah that's a long weekend that's that'll beat you up and i remember oh the worst we we were at the gorge and it was a two-night fish show and i mean it used to be able to just be like kind of chill and then somebody stole our all of our coolers all of our beer and our food it just got kind of worse chill dude yeah, so it was like a really kind of cool thing for a while. And I'm not to say I did it for a whole long time, but I think, you know, we kind of did that for a th- few years in a, in a row and stuff. And it just kind of went downhill where it was people were reaching in our cars trying to steal our stuff. And it was really weird, but I don't know. I, I mean, I would never, I'll never not be grateful for the time that I, you know, was becoming a teenager and the music that was coming out at the time for me i was so very lucky to because at the time all i thought is i wanted to be in the 70s i was like there's no bands better than pink floyd and led zeppelin you know i was very much biased you know i watched that movie days and confused all the time i just didn't like you know the way things were at the time when i was there but then you know, when I think about it now, and we're opening up, we're, we're sitting on the floor, you know, in a barn drinking beers, and we're, this is like 1991, and we're just opening up like CDs, Metallica, you know, Use Your Illusion, like Nirvana, Pearl Jam, that it's just like Bad Motor Finger, like so many good albums that you could never even like imagine came out in one year, we're out, you know so many good bands dude like i just it blows my mind like that's also i mean for one i mean you're living dazed and confused yeah yeah right like i mean they were saying this the whole time they thought they lived in a shit time too yeah yeah i mean i wouldn't like (laughs) so like i like i'm you know i'm not that much younger than you 
but my sisters were around your age. <clears throat> and this is maybe why, like, like I thought you were so cool is because like everyone that like all my sister's friends, they were part of like that, that early nineties grunge scene. Like I thought that was the coolest thing ever. Like that was my seventies. Like, you know, it was like, has like a fourth grader or fifth grader. Like I've seen my sisters in high school and their friends with like their baggy jeans cut off, like the frig, <laughs> but like the big chain wallets, and uh, like they're kind of like their uh, their flannels tight around their waist with their thermal shirts underneath, playing hacky sack down at the beach. Like <laughs> all of that, I was just like, that is cool. Like that, like this is cool stuff. And like still to this day, like I think about like. I didn't live that, right? Because I was like, I, I was a little bit younger. I was I was watching it as a kid with like these kind of like, you know, rose colored glasses or whatever, because I was a rooting teen at the time. I just saw, you know, like people I looked up to in this life, you know, with like their, like their skateboards. Um, and it was before even like skate shoes came in, you know, it was just like, it was just like big jeans. And yeah, dude. And I and like holy like you know jeans like the like I mean, that was like the time when when parents were like I don't get with the holes in the knees of the jeans and like <laughs> I'm buying you brand new jeans with holes in them and like my parents didn't let me cut off my jeans my parents didn't let me play hacky sack my parents didn't let me have a skateboard all because that's what all the stoners were doing while they were like <laughs> down at the beach it's a you know. Yeah, the, listening to <laughs> listening to cassettes of like Metallica and. And, and, and Primus and, you know, these bands that like, you know, like I could only like peripheral kind of like, and, and like, I love that stuff. So I like, I grabbed onto all that stuff once I could, like mm -hmm. I just hoarded that stuff, like much like you were probably hoarding like Led Zeppelin and Pink Floyd, right? Like, yeah. Um, <clears throat> and, and I'll still say, you know, with those, I mean, you've talked about Led Zeppelin and stuff on, on, on here before, but I mean, yeah, I mean, Led Zeppelin's just amazing, dude. It is the coolest. It is. It is the coolest. And you know, my husband and I, Glenn and I, will will talk about it, and we'll say, you know, like when you listen to it, and you're listening to it really loud, or on your headphones, and you go, dude, this is one guitar, one guy playing yeah. guitar, you know, and it sounds like this, you know, yeah. and that's really fucking amazing, because that's like kind of what I always think of, you know, when I'm listening to them you know or listening to pink floyd and you know david gilmore's on guitar and he's like super underrated guitarist you know and and he's just going and he's still like even the videos i've watched of him older like even like more recent he's just so fucking good dude he's he's just such a good guitarist and oh man but i don't know i just now i have such a love and appreciation for you know the music that came out at the time at least when i was like being influenced by music and you know and it just got better seemed like you know like i remember even i'd say like 91 92 and then even on the other side you had like nwa going through all theirs that was their the best time for hip-hop I mean, to be quite like to 93, like 90, 91 to 93 was, I mean, that's golden era hip hop. That's yeah. No, I mean, I was sitting in 
in my dates Honda Accord going to prom dressed up, you know, in heels and dress and hearing doggy style for the first time, dude. Yeah. And going, what is this? This is awesome, <laughs> dude. You know? That like deep like parliament, just <laughs> wow, 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 G funk baseline. To the chronic, yeah. And so, I mean, all around, I feel like spectrums like just all over the place were just. It was huge. I mean, I really like, I mean, I kind of think it, you know, like maybe I'm a little bit prejudiced because I grew up after, like going forward, but I mean, it kind of persisted till 96 ish. Mm-hmm. I mean, I agree but, with you there. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'd already like, you know, 93, 94, you see like Green Day Dookie, Weezer Blue album. Offspring Smash, yeah. Zombies or Cranberries. Sorry, it was just Zombie comes into my mind. But like, um, even hip hop kind of kept kind of progressing through those time, through through that age. Um, and then, and then, what did Limp Biscuit just fuck it up for everybody? Yeah, then it just like it just nosedives. Started, yeah. I All think of it nosedives like. like even on the punk rock, even on the punk rock scene, going through that time, I mean, like No Effects, Bad Religion, all those fat records, uh, Rancid, uh, the, the whole Epitaph lineup—they were killing it up through '97. I mean, they put out some good I mean, records. It just went bad. I know. I don't punk, know. Like, punk rock just tanked. It just became pop punk garbage. Uh, it, like the the rock scene just turned into like the the corn and biscuit rock yeah. scene. Uh, the the hip hop like, scene went into like yeah the hip hop scene went into like puffy era yeah. like kind of mm-hmm. you know like it I feel like I mean there was some real damage done in the late eighties early nineties early two thousands yeah I, I agree with you like I was thinking of that's so funny because we were, I was thinking of like nineteen ninety four because I could think of these times just by what grade I was in the school, what I was doing. And yeah, sure. at that time, I remember just like you said, we were, we were, we were rolling those CDs out, Ill Communication, yeah. Dookie, uh, Smash, um, the Weezer Blue Album. Um, and there was, what else was there? Like, um, oh yeah, Punk and Drublick, I think was in 94. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. I mean, it was just like, it was nonstop. Like it was good. I mean, and I, I know it wasn't all of their first albums, but then it's still even Nirvana was still putting out albums, and then they were reaching heights. Though I mean, In Euro came out. Even like Primus was even reaching their heights. With Alice in Chains, and yeah. I, I did go see them when they were here, and we ran back. My friend and I behind and tried to to meet them. We met Jerry Cantrell. And uh, he signed my Marlboro Light box. That's how Good. much he didn't have. He had like um, one Miller time. Andrew WK signed a Miller High Life can for me. <laughs> well, my friend Daniel, he ran onto Kurt Cobain's tour bus and took one of his Coronas. <laughs> and that Corona sat at his house all through my high school, and it was like many times people were tempted to drink that Corona because we were in high school. Yeah. And he said, if you drink that Corona, you're dead, dude. Like, you're dead. <laughs> and, uh, oh, it's, I don't know what happened to the Corona. I'll t- I have, maybe I'll just send him a text. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's kind of like, I mean, I, I like 
what you keep coming back to in in this many times. I mean, like your musical, like kind of like your a big like out of all the musical moments you had, it was kind of after you had already grown up in many ways, you know. <laughs> yeah. But it's only now that you are grown up that you have this reflection to be able to to actually to actually put it into context like that was rad that was a rad time for music and you got to live it um it, it was a very rad time and i have to say as well that one of the core things into my soul that i think now is that it is never live music is never the same now that people have cell phones in there mm. and we had such a beautiful i mean i was reading this i always watch a lot of um live videos on youtube because people are constantly kind of putting stuff out and re-editing stuff and i remember watching the smashing pumpkins um show that they put came came back and put out and it was early on and oh one of the comments the guy said you know he's like what a beautiful time to be alive dude to see a show like that without one camera up in the air and it was so true i mean it's just i cannot believe that the how good the like screens and the all the lights and everything how good the sound even in live shows are, is becoming and how much it's being distracted and funneled through phones and cameras and yeah in that way you know yeah it, it's heartbreaking to me to be honest and i don't know it's just i don't i don't know if that'll ever change i don't know no i don't think it will i think it'll evolve um you know but i mean like you know we can like loop around to kind of where we started you know like we both got really young kids that we're excited to like, we're excited to usher through, like you can almost put together like a mixed CD of like experience for your kids, right? <clears throat> Whether that's like, like I think we're both, this is something else I got for you. I'm like, I've become kind of a, a curator of curios, like, things that I like th that I find awesome that's definitely something I think I got for me like whether it's graphic novels or like I've gotten really into underground comics from like the 60s and 70s and like trying to dig those up every time I'm in the Bay Area you know some old like Zap comics and like R. Crumb and like you know just like music that you know like that maybe wasn't something you listen to all the time, but you're like, oh, I got the remedy for you. You want to hear some sabotage? You know, like, <laughs> we can put these things together and, like, you know, we can, like, we can raise our children or at least try to instill in them, you know, like, the changes that we've seen, right? And, like, man, you don't know, like, the beauty of just being at, being completely present at a live show, right? Not worrying about getting your camera up in a good spot. Not like the only thing you're worried about a good spot is like, is the dude next to you not too stinky 
Yeah. <laughs> am I going to get sucked into the pit against my will, or am I just there enough to like go for a couple twirls and hop out? Like you know, those are like, yeah. you know, not like have nothing to do with camera angle or sound or anything. And those are things that we can, you know, we can at least we've we've seen the transition, and you can pass those things on. So like, you know, I always have, I always have hope for like our kids' generation because. I feel like we can, I feel like we can tell them, I know like kids don't, like, I never listen to my parents, but you know, we can tell them like the things we've learned. My parents though were like, you know, they weren't telling me about the cool ways to experience concerts, but um, yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of like a nice full circle, like way to kind of bring this around. It's just like, we're in a different stage of our lives now. And like, we can pass on like all that rad stuff that we learned. You know, and it's crazy because at the time, you know, for us, it wasn't, there was no internet. So, I mean, it was MTV. Kurt Loder was the one that told you your music news, you know. Kurt Loder was the one that told us that Kurt Cobain died. You know, it's just crazy. Like, um, when albums came out, you didn't get, I mean, you'd hear a single maybe, but it was from the record store. You would see the ads for it. You know, that's why when Use Your Illusion 1 and 2 came out, that was a big big deal like to me at that time and my friends we were so excited and it didn't disappoint dude at all like those are two just amazing albums and then there's even like i remembered kind of the urban legends about them there's like a song on usual illusion one it's like a it's called coma and it's like a 10 minute song and when you listen to it it's supposed to bring you back if you were hungover, bring you back to your drunk state. <laughs> yeah. And so, like, like the like, play okay. it backwards yeah, like, right. type stuff. I know, right? The ship's um, And it's, I, I never, I, I'm sure I tried it a lot, but I, I still listen to it in my headphones because it's just a really badass song. And, uh, oh man, it's just, I, I, I do miss that, man. I miss those like record store releases and I, I just miss really getting excited about getting a new CD or a new album. And <sighs> Now it just kind of shows up on your, now it just kind of shows up on Spotify. Yeah, at some point. Oh, they got something new. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, they got a new album. Oh, two years old. Oh, that came out two years ago. Huh. Oh, oops. I know. Whoops. That's oh, my favorite band. I don't have to commit to it because, yeah. I mean, that's just something else that, you know, I hope to pass on to my son is like the joy of like interacting with music, you know? Like you're talking about opening up those CDs in the barn back in the 90s, like passing that around, opening up the booklet. Like looking at the looking at the liner notes, looking at like the bands they thanked, like maybe some little sketches in there or something. Like, yeah, getting excited to go to the record store, like having a relationship with like certain bands. Yeah, you're like, proud of yourself, dude, for being able to even afford it, you know, and to buy sure. it. Sure, yeah, hell yeah, dude, I'd save up all my lawn mowing money <laughs> for that. I saved up. I saved up all my lawn mowing money for saving the seas of cheese cassette. And then that's all <laughs> to mowing lawns for an entire summer. That's funny. And that's how I got, and that's how I, that was my first step towards being a weirdo. 
that's a good first step. It's yeah. a great first step. Hey, Seas. It was great talking to you. You too, man. Thanks for having me on. I sure appreciate it. You're the coolest. Keep doing good things. Raise, raise that kid on some good music. Yeah, yeah. He's 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 getting a good start, man. He loves it too. He's he's better. He's better listening to music than watching TV. So if I can get there. That's good. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. Maybe maybe we'll see you guys at a concert. Well, that was old season I Starting right up, right where we left off, shooting the old proverbial about life, music, everything in between. You know, I thought that was pretty interesting, all those musical experiences growing up, and it was kind of like her transition to adulthood that she reflects on as kind of real, as the real turning point, as the time that music really affected her. And that's, I love hearing that. I love hearing my friends, now that we're adults, be able to reflect on things like that, on, on recognizing those transitions of leaving behind some of our, our more immature desires and, and moving on because it's a thing to do, but also, you know, framing it like it's not just a thing you do because you got to, but because you know that it's right and it feels right. And that's the kind of introspection that I love about a person like Season. Man, she can, she can bullshit about some music, can't she? I'll be damned. I'll be damned. What a time. So I asked her about a song to play, and she reminded me that that tour, that Queens of Stone Age tour, was for Era Vulgaris album, and not one of her favorite songs live or on the album is this Queens of Stone Age, Misfit Love. I'll see you in a few weeks. Be easy.
Does this, hold on. Did I hit record yet? Mountain high.